turning this evening to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25 and verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Our friends, we're looking to today uh, this uh, parable of the talents, as it's called. And my subject is capitalizing on spiritual opportunities, making the most of spiritual opportunities that come our way. Well, I'm sure you're very familiar with this parable and uh, the name, the parable of the, t- the talents. It's a rather unfortunate name uh, for us in our modern day use of the word. When we think of talents, we're usually thinking of somebody's natural abilities. He has a sporting talent, we say, or he has a musical talent. And we're thinking of somebody's skills and abilities and how they're able to do things so really well and uh, better than other people. And, well, we could take, take it in that kind of a way and apply it to this parable, how one could improve on those talents and see them as gifts from God and so use it and improve it. Uh, for the glory of God and so on. But that wouldn't be, though that wouldn't be a bad way to go down, I want to pick it up uh, with, uh, just to develop it from another angle and sticking really with the original meaning of this word talents because a talent here is not really referring to a gift as such, but it's referring to a sum of money. And you can see that in verse 27 where the Lord refers to the talent as my money. So we're talking here about money, but it's going to rep- it represents, of course, uh, something for us. We'll come to that in a minute. But firstly, verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them uh, his goods. Obviously, this man is a a wealthy man, a well-to-do person. He's got servants under him. And it's, uh, we'll see as, as we go on, he's a really, really rich man. Uh, he's, uh, he's doing very well, we could say, a property individual. But uh, he needs to go on a journey. He needs to uh, d- depart to a far-off land. And he passes on the responsibility uh, for uh, his property and for all the businesses that he's involved in. He passes on that responsibility to the servants who are under uh, his, uh, in his in his service, and he gives to them. Here we read of these uh, talents. Uh, each one are given a different amount of talents. He's going to be away uh, from them for a good while, and uh, it's implied that they know they have to make use of those talents that are given to them. That large sum of money which is given. Uh, to each one, entrusted to them, not just to sit on it. This is, this is, a, this is not just a, a person who's happy to uh, have his, the same amount when he comes back. He wants to see the money invested. He wants to see some profit uh, from, on, on his return. He wants to see something that the servants have, have done with him. He doesn't want his business to stagnate and remain as it is, and his, uh, but he wants to see progress and advance and things are going ahead with these servants. He wants his servants, and they know it, to be active and diligent in the use of what he gives to them. He entrusts them with his goods. Oh, friends, 
just a very simple application, firstly. Here we see a Lord and his servants. A Lord, uh, a person who is in a superior position, a higher position, and below him, those who are serving him. And we have no real problem with that. Some people in life we know are in a superior position and others are in an inferior position. Some You may be in either one of those. We all have, perhaps, well not all of us, but a number of us have employers and we have to, you're accountable to your employer. And we, we don't, we know this is how society works. Not everyone can be the boss. Not everyone can be a leader. Some people have to be followers. Some people have to do as they're told. Others do the managing and the telling. That's how life works. That's how society works. That's, if, if things didn't, didn't, have in that, uh, didn't work in that way, well, there wouldn't be much order in our society. We, would, we don't find fault with that kind of an arrangement. We don't criticize it. Why then, friends, do we find fault when, uh, when we think of our God as our King and as our Lord? Why do we find such a problem to yield to Him, to be considered as His servants? Why do we find it so hard to accept, oh, there is somebody superior to me and much higher to me, and I'm accountable to Him. I'm His servant. I must do as He tells me to do. Why do we want to throw off the yoke of serving Him? Because we want freedom from His service. We accept it from other people. Why don't we accept it from our Creator? the one who has made us, the one who gives us life, the one who has filled our life uh, with uh, good things. Friends, this is something that we ought uh, to do. He is, uh, Christ is our heavenly King, our heavenly Lord. We are all His servants. We are all uh, His subjects. It's our responsibility to live before Him. Oh, this world would be in such a better place if everybody acknowledged this, this, uh, this model that God is king and we are his subjects. And if everyone followed that, what order there would be in our society than there is now. But we balk at this. We don't want this. We resent to have Christ as our king. We find fault with it. Why should I? Why should I submit to God? Why should I have him as my king? We perhaps will join with those anti-royalists uh, and in that bunch who are singing, not my king, not my king. Well, here we are. There are a whole groups of people shouting, I don't want Christ, not my king, not my king. I want, don't want him to rule over us. Friends, that's rebellion. That's treason against the Almighty to behave and think in that way. The Lord represents Christ. And the three servants, well, they're all of us. They're every human being in the world. It's a representation of all of us. The question is, am I a faithful servant or an unfaithful one? Which one? Well, notice here, friends, how the Lord, he distributed, delivered unto all his servants, uh, unto these three servants, uh, his goods. All that we have comes from God. Every good thing that we have comes from Him. Every good thing that you enjoy, every pleasant thing, every virtuous thing, it's a gift from God. It's a blessing from Him. You can thank Him for it. Your life, your well-being, your health, your abilities, even your Sunday roast that you had this afternoon or whatever you had, 
The food that's on your table is a blessing from, from God. You could say it's his goods which he has entrusted to you and blessed you with. The bad things are yours. The bad things belong to you. The bad things are your own doing. God didn't give you those. He didn't give you pride. He didn't give you those, those uh, angry reactions. He didn't make you selfish. That's your own doing. That's your own baggage, friends, and mine. This is uh, the good things come uh, from the Lord. Well, this wealthy man, as we see in this parable, he called his servants to him uh, one by one, and to the first he gave five talents, to the second he gave two, and to the third one he gave a single talent. Each one was given according to their capacity, according to their ability, according to their business acumen. He's a very wise Lord. He's not just going to uh, dispense uh, it, uh, in a sense, without thinking. He's dispensing according to their level of, uh, of uh, according to their capacity. And the money is given to them uh, for them to live by, and also, as we've said already, to invest and to put it to good use. Uh, to, he's expecting a profit, some returns uh, from this. Now you may say, as you, as you read this parable, this Lord is not being fair. This Lord is giving uh, five talents to one, two talents to another, and just one talent to that man. And you say, oh, that poor man, he's only getting one talent. And yet he, he comes up with a very hard deal and he's dealt with so harshly. Why only, why is he being treated in that way? He only had one talent. Well, friends, we have to ask ourselves, how much is the one talent before we, before we con condemn the Lord? How much is uh, one talent? Is it really a very small sum? Well, a talent was a weight of gold. And uh, it said it was around 33 kilograms of gold. And uh, it is said that for an ordinary laborer at that time to earn one talent, to earn that amount of, of gold, of money, they would have had to work 20 years to get it. 20 years just to get one talent. Let's convert that. Let's try and convert that into modern currency. You take the average salary in the UK, you multiply that by 20 years, you know, you come up with a figure that's over half a million pounds. Half a million pounds. Wow, that's a huge sum of money. That's no small amount of money that was given to this, uh, once, this third servant. A huge amount was uh, given to him by this Lord. And it's not something that was any small change. The man with five talents, yes, he got two and a half million, you could say. The one with two talents, a million, but this one with one talent, well, it wasn't a small amount. It was half a million, we could think of it now. That's how generous, that's how rich this, uh, this, this Lord was. But entrusted with such an enormous sum, well, we see that the first servant, he went out quickly, diligently, uh, and uh, began trading with it. He didn't waste any time. As soon as he could, he applied himself diligently, uh, and he, came, he managed to double uh, the amount and made a 100% profit for his Lord. He'd used his five talents very well. And in a similar way, the servant entrusted with two talents did, uh, followed suit. 
But the third servant, verse 18, he did this unusual thing. He that received one talent, he went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He hid it, he buried it in the earth. What do you think of him now? Now what do you think of him, friends? Do you still feel sorry for him? Here he is, he's been given such a vast amount of money, and he, instead of using it well and investing it, uh, he buries it in the earth. Wouldn't you label him like I would, a good-for-nothing? And he doesn't deserve these things, a lazy and irresponsible servant? That's what he is. That's why some hard words and harsh words were said to him at the end. But uh, how can we apply this to ourselves? The talents, as we've said, uh, are not our natural abilities here, but opportunities. Think of it as opportunities. Think of it as spiritual opportunities that come our way. Spiritual opportunities that are given to us by the Lord. Spiritual opportunities for us to come to know God, to know the forgiveness of our sins, to know the Lord uh, and His blessing uh, in our life, to obtain favor from God, to be at peace uh, with Him. This is the opportunity that is given to every uh, one of us. Some of people have more opportunities, more spiritual opportunities. And some of them, some people maybe have less. But no one can say, friends, I have none. No one in this world can say, I have had no opportunity to know God. All of us have been given in some measure or in some uh, ways a, a time and opportunity to, to hear and to believe in the Lord. One opportunity that comes, let me mention just a few, but one that comes to us all is this given to every single human being born into this world is that instinct for God. That's placed in us right from our very birth. All of us, friends, are, are born with a sense that there is a God, that there is somebody who is reigning on high, with a sense that there is death after life, it's life after death, beg your pardon. That there is something there. Why are we so keen? You know some people, they die, uh, or said to die, on the operating table, and then they come back to life again, and everyone wants to know, what happened? What did you see during that time? What did you feel during that time? What? Oh, we saw bright light and so on. They, they go and they say different things. It's a curiosity, isn't it? Because we, we sense, we know that something is there beyond this life. That's God-given. The sense that, yes, there must be even a designer behind this world. There must be somebody overruling this world. And that sense of accountability, that sense even of what is right and wrong, God's law is written upon the conscience of every man and woman. Oh, friends, this is a, an opportunity that is given to us. You know, the militant atheists of the time, oh, they're trying so very hard to eradicate this from your minds. They're trying very hard to eradicate that consciousness of God uh, from, uh, from you, and they, uh, they've got all their means to do so, but they're facing an uphill task. They're facing a losing battle. They're fighting a losing battle because this instinct for God is so deeply embedded in us. We cannot get rid of it, Try even if we tried to. And they cannot get rid of it. It will always come back. It will always be there. But friends, it's a gift. 
It's not something to run from. This inner consciousness that there is a great God. It's an opportunity for you and I uh, to seek the Lord. It's given to us to make us inquire more. And it's given to us to make us, to stir us, to seek Him until we find Him. That's why it's there. Are you looking for Him? Are you using that gift? Here's another opportunity. It's that Bible that you hold in your hands. There you have it. You have it in your own language. And it, it alone tells you things you cannot find in any other textbook. It tells you in clear black and white how you can get into a right relationship with God in a very simple and clear way. It alone tells you how you may have guilt removed from your conscience. And your sins all forgiven, every single one of them, past, present, and future. It tells you, friends, of a Savior who came because he loved, who came into this world and humbled himself, the Son of God, who in mighty love humbled himself to become a man like unto one of us, and went all the way to Calvary's cross to die in the place of all those who will trust in him. It tells you that heaven's door is open. It's open now. It's open for those who will trust in, in Christ. It tells you clearly how you can get there. That's what the book you have in your hands is telling you, friends. Oh, there's no book like it. What an opportunity. Then we could think of Christian friends or maybe Christian parents that you know, you know, somebody who's, you know, somebody within your circle, and they found the Lord already, and they've come to trust in the Christ, and now they witness to you, and they tell you about, about Him. They tell you what they found, and they want you to have it too. They tell you about salvation. They tell you to give you an invite, come to the church, come to the gospel meeting, hear the gospel. They tell you about the love of Christ. They tell you about the peace that they have found in him. And they're concerned for you. They tell you perhaps even, I'm praying for you. They're showing their spiritual concern for you. And they urge you to come and listen and believe in the Lord. Oh, friends, this is, uh, this is the wonderful opportunity that you have to have such people around you and in your circle. Here's another, maybe just one more. You're a native of this country. You're born and bred in, in Britain. Oh, what a history you have. What a history, friends, you have. Do you know your, your history? How good is your history of this land? You look back and you see some uh, uh, great things that God has done in this land in times past. Tremendous things in answer to prayer. You see how he saved us? You could go back to the, the 17th century awakening and this, this nation was uh, morally on, in a very perilous way and God raised up Whitfield and Wesley and others to go and preach the gospel and thousands and thousands of people were saved and changed and converted and the whole landscape as a, the spiritual landscape of this place changed oh friends such a history and so much more. That's just one event. You look at the laws in our land. Well, they're based on what? The Ten Commandments. 
Or friends, you can visit even today the British Museum and you can see all kinds of artifacts there. And you can see all the archaeological discoveries that only confirm that what the Bible says is true and verifies what the Bible says. This is in your hands. This is an opportunity for you. All these things are, are blessings, friends, that come our way. Oh, we could mention so many more. To have a church where you can hear the gospel, a tract you receive in the street, somebody knocking at your door, speaking to you about the Lord. Sunday school. You were brought up in a Sunday school. And so many times you heard your Sunday school teacher telling you the gospel. That's how many of times, how many opportunities? Can you count? Can you remember? Oh, probably not. But many. Well, verse 19, we move on. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them a day of reckoning for them and a day of reckoning for us too. A day of accountability for us. What have we done? What did those servants do? What have we done? When Christ returns, friends, one of the first things that will take place in this world is that he will call all to account on the day of judgment. All will have to stand before him and give an account of what they have done with those spiritual opportunities. Did they make use of them? Did they take them, take them up? Or verse 20, the one who had received five talents he came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. He's not boasting, friends, here. He's not saying to his Lord, Lord, look what I have done, how great I am, how wonderful I am. I'm not like that lazy servant. He's not saying that at all. But what he's saying is, it's as if he comes in with one hand and he's got those five, that bag of five talents there, and he's saying, Lord, you gave me this, this amount of money. I'm so grateful to you. I'm so thankful to you. But you know what, Lord? And he's, he's got a, a, a sparkle in his eye and he's a, a spring in his step. He said, Lord, here are five more. I've managed to gain five more. It's been not such a blessing to me to get that initial five and here are five more alongside it. That's what he's saying. He's just bubbling over with enthusiasm uh, for uh, his Lord and uh, for the blessings that he has received. Oh, friends, uh, if you take up, this will be your discovery. If you take up the spiritual opportunities that come your way, if you take, the, take a hold of them and you receive the Lord and you, you seek the Lord and you find him and you're converted to him and you know a new life that comes from him, well, that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning, even in this life, because God will give you so much more. When you come to know the Lord, your life will be not only in a right relationship with Him, but your life will be enriched further, spiritually enriched. You will gain things that this world cannot give. You will gain real peace in your conscience. You will gain true happiness. Oh, all the world is looking for happiness, happiness. I want to be happy. True happiness is found in him. Deep joy, real joy that the world cannot take away. 
You'll gain, friends, a better character, a stronger character. We were talking only today to the children about it. The comparison of Saul's character and how he got worse and worse because as he was without the Lord. And there's young David, knowing the Lord, going on with the Lord. And as he goes on, he's able to manage with the provocations. He's able to respond in the right way, a calm, self-controlled way, when javelins are thrown at him. That's the grace of God. That's the Lord strengthening him because he is a believer depending on Christ. That's what he does for us. When people throw vibes at us, speak horrible words to us, well, the Lord can give us strength to even respond in the right way. You live, friends, a more useful life definitely as a Christian. It'll be an adventure. I can guarantee you that. You begin to understand this world. All the pieces of the jigsaw will begin to come together and you will discover God's plan. So much more. So much more. All because we took up that first opportunity that God uh, put in our way. Well, verse uh, 21, the Lord says that saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Excellent work, we could say. Wonderful. The Lord was so pleased. Thou hast been faith, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He changes his state from a servant. He elevates him, promotes him uh, to be a ruler. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Two and a half million. <laughs> a few things. Now, a ruler over many things. Oh, friends, the joy of the Lord prepared for those who believe in him is nothing compared to uh, the, the things that we have in this world, rather, and nothing, the joys are nothing to be compared with what is prepared for Christians in glory. The joy of the Lord. Yes, we have tremendous joy here, even, and help, and blessings from God, but heaven? Oh, there are words we cannot use to speak about. It, it cannot be described, the, 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 the blessings that are reserved for God's people. Elevation to greater joys, the place in heaven, the final destination of all those who trust in Christ and use those spiritual opportunities. Heaven itself is their final place of rest and joy. Well, the second servant uh, was somewhat similar. We'll just uh, go over him because we want to come quickly to that final third servant. And in verse 24, he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the ground. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. He did nothing with that money. He went and hid it. He hadn't wasted it. It's still there. He gives it back exactly uh, as the amount he was given, he, but he just buried it. Well, here's the, the problem with it. He was lazy, and he did nothing uh, with it. At the very least, he could have invested it. And he goes further, and he blames the Lord, and he says, oh, because you're a hard man, you're a cruel employee, it's hard to work for you. I know what you're like. And uh, I was afraid. He has this distorted view 
of his Lord. Neglect. He neglected his work. He neglected his, uh, his duties, his responsibilities. It's a dereliction of duty on his part. Friends, neglect is criminal. Neglect is a dereliction of duty, isn't it? If uh, a parent neglects their children, well, that's a dereliction of duty. And they may go to prison for it. If a medical doctor neglects in some way, that's a dereliction of duty. And he may suffer for it in some way or other. Neglect the spiritual opportunities that come our way is a dereliction of duty, our spiritual duty. We ought to do these things. For friends, it's criminal to neglect the opportunities that come our way. God in his kindness and his grace to us, he sends us these opportunities so that we may come to know him, so that he may be a blessing to us. But we disparage them and we ridicule them and we want nothing to do with them. We consider such things a light thing and to treat those opportunities in such a way is an affront to God. It's an affront to him, friends. On the day of judgment, all these things will be brought up. Or perhaps there are some people who think, well, I'm ready to blame God when I see God. I'm going to tell him he's a hard man. I'm going to tell him, well, he's, he's dealt with me in a very terrible way when I was, when I was in this world. And I'm ready to, to speak to him in this way. And, and I'm ready to tell him, well, I had no opportunity to know you. You know what will happen? What may well happen there? Well, all these opportunities that we had in life will be replayed to that person. One by one, one by one, one by one. Showed maybe on a big screen, as it were, for him to see. Look, you had that somebody spoke to you the gospel. Look, you had that Bible in your hand. Look at that Sunday school teacher, how often they urged you to trust in Christ. And you didn't do it, and you didn't do it, and you didn't do it. And you kept putting it off and off and off. Whose fault is it? Well, that person will be silent. They have nothing to say because the evidence is there. Verse 26, this unprofitable servant is cast out. But before that, before he is cast out, uh, the Lord says to him, you wicked and slothful servant, uh, you knew I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You ought to have done this. You ought to have put the money to the bankers and then I would have received mine own with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten. And then verse 30. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh friends, you know where that, what that speaks of. The final end of those who reject uh, uh, and refuse to take up and who are negligent of those spiritual opportunities. Friends, don't neglect it. Don't, don't put it aside. Grab a hold of them as they come to you. They're great privileges that, they, that are given to you. These two faithful servants who did as they ought to have done, well, they felt honored. To be not only they felt the responsibility of having such a great sum of money, they also felt greatly honored that they were entrusted initially with such a large sum. And so they, they made use of it. Oh, it's a great honor to you. Can you see it? 
to have these opportunities given to you. It's a great honor to you to have the Bible in your hands. Do we read it? It's a great honor and privilege to you to hear the gospel, to hear the cross, being, to hearing about the cross, to hearing about Christ coming from heaven and giving his life from, for sinners and the cross work being explained to you so that you can understand. It's a great honor to hear these things. Oh, but you must do something with it. You must make it your own. Here is another opportunity, friends, tonight, if you haven't done so as yet, to come to the Savior, to come in repentance, to come trusting in Him, to come yielding your life over to Him. That's the way to come. That's the way to make the best of the opportunity to receive those things that God uh, speaks to us of, to receive it humbly from Him. Well, may the Lord help us to do exactly that. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we are so thankful to you that you give us opportunity after opportunity to hear your word and to hear the things that come, uh, come from you, to hear about how we may obtain blessing. But oh, we are so hard of hearing. And Lord, sometimes we too have to confess so negligent of those opportunities. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would have mercy upon us and even tonight help us to turn to the Saviour and to receive humbly from your hands those blessings of eternal life, forgiveness of sins and new life. Bless us, we pray. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. We turn for our final hymn to number 373, Rock of Ages, left for me, 373.